Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Your holster is way more important than you think it is. It's just way more important than you think it is. What Look, and I get that. The holster's not the sexy part of carrying firearms, right? You want to talk about your weapon and your ammunition. You, you want to talk about your safety training. You want to talk about how you did at the range. Oh, look at my groups. I was doing these failure drills today. And all that stuff's really important. I mean, really, really important. I'm not discounting that. But I've known so many people who do all those things. They take all the necessary steps, and then they carry with a holster they bought from a big box hunting store that was made a thousand at a time. Please, don't put your life in one of those holsters. You need to trust Northwest Retention Systems because it's all custom-made gear. It's the only thing I carry around. nwretention.com, that's nwretention.com. Use the promo code JESSE, get you 10% off. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. 
Should you break the law? Should you break the law? Should you become, let's let's think about what that means. Should you become a criminal? Different when you put that label on it, isn't it? We have an awesome show today, and I do mean awesome. We have a restaurant owner who told California's governor to go screw himself and opened his restaurant anyway, defying orders. We have him coming on. We have maybe, and you know I don't like to bring you down, but you have to hear it, maybe the saddest piece of audio I've ever played on the radio. It is a heavy one. I will warn you before I drop it on you. I'm not just going to play it out of nowhere, I promise. We have to discuss the enemy that's already here. And lastly, we're going to talk about a huge, huge advantage The left has over the right what we should do about it, what we could do about it. But it's still me, so let's still rewind first and see if we can't learn anything from the past. Billy the Kid, well, well known. Everybody at least knows the name if they don't know the story And it did occur to me, I was talking to a friend about it last night, because I've always found old Western stuff to be fascinating. I'm a dude. I'm a dude. I find Western movies to be fascinating. I grew up watching John Wayne with my dad. The modern day great Western movies where they remade True Grit, which is somehow even better than the first one. Tombstone. Of course, every dude loves Tombstone. Every dude loves Tombstone. A lot of those characters in that show remind me of me, Chris. <laughs> All right, focus. But I love it. I love a Western story. And I love a story where somebody is constantly presented as the bad guy. And you look into the story more. And depending on what you view as the ultimate sin or the ultimate bad thing, maybe you can... Maybe you can say he wasn't the bad guy. Was Billy the Kid actually the bad guy? Let's let's cover things and you you tell me. First of all, he was the child of Irish immigrants. Why were there Irish immigrants back in the 1800s? A little something you'll remember from this show called the Potato Famine. Now, this is going to come into play later on in the story, so I'm going to backstory this for you just very, very, very briefly. Britain was in charge of Ireland. Ireland never would fully come to heal the way Britain wanted them to come to heal. These are very stubborn people, unsurprisingly, because that's my heritage. Very stubborn people. And Britain would... Slowly but surely take over lands. The Irish didn't have much, but they did have potatoes. That's how they existed. Then the potato crop fails and they start starving. I don't mean two or three people. I mean millions of them. A million people died. I think it was two million in total. I may have that wrong. Two million had to flee the country. A million of those came to the United States of America. 
Remember, they left poverty. They left starvation. And let's just say they didn't think too highly of the British. That's going to come into play in our story. Billy's parents, at least his mother, his father's a a little murky. Billy's mother was an Irish immigrant. And when I say murky, let me clarify what happens. One thing I've really noticed Somebody uttered the line one time, and since I have no idea who said it, and I don't research for the show, I'm simply going to say this line and act like I said it. But somebody else said, uh, one of the tragedies, I'm paraphrasing here, one of the tragedies of the poor, one of the, the byproducts of being poor, is you get forgotten. Not in this life, after you're long gone. There's no record of poor people's lives. Rich people always have a record. I mean, think about even what you have today. You're you're almost undoubtedly wealthy. You may not consider yourself to be so, but when you look at real poverty, trust me, you're probably wealthy. And look at what you have. Pick up your phone. How many pictures of your wife, husband, kids right there on your phone? Your life is probably laid out on Facebook They know when you got your job five years ago. You have a record of your life. Now think back in the day where you had to have letters. If you even got a photograph taken of you, it was a big deal. The poor get forgotten. So there are parts of Billy the Kid's life we don't know for sure. And what's funny is if he didn't get famous later on, we would have never known the guy existed. We think he was born in 1859. We don't know. We think his dad was with his mom, or he may have been an out-of-wedlock child. We don't know. But we do know mom was an Irish immigrant. And we know at one point in time, she decides to head west just her and Billy. Whether dad split, whether dad died, whether dad was never there, we don't know. But her and her young child, Billy, head west with other Irish immigrants with many other immigrants of every heritage. Understand, we are post-Civil War now. And the post-Civil War and pre-Civil War United States of America, we wanted to expand this nation and occupy the Western lands. We are very much still fighting Indian battles at this time. Big Indian battles. And like we've discussed before on the show, You occupy land once you buy it or it will cease to be yours. They had the West. They wanted it settled. They wanted railroads. They wanted wanted towns. They They wanted the West settled. So they were encouraging poor immigrants, head West, go. Billy the Kid and his mom head West. She links up with a complete... An utter dirtball, if history is being fair to the man. William Atrium is his name. He apparently was a teamster. Now, that's not a union. No, don't think of it like you're thinking of the union today. He was a guy who ran teams for people, for cattle trains heading west, for wagon trains heading west. That's just what he did. But he loved to gamble. He didn't love to work. He was apparently a dirt ball, and mom was dying. She was dying of consumption, or as you would know it, tuberculosis. And tuberculosis was a huge problem back at this time. 
they didn't really have a great solution for it other than sending people to dry climates. Colorado was huge for this. Arizona. Apparently, I don't know, Chris. Apparently, apparently the dry climate is much, much better for tuberculosis, which I guess it makes sense than a humid climate. I, I don't know, Chris. I'm not a I'm I went to community college. I don't know. I don't have these answers as to why. For all I know, they were wrong. I, I, I don't know. But that, that was the thinking, at least back then. They find themselves in New Mexico. Only New Mexico isn't the state New Mexico yet. New Mexico is a territory. And there are some differences. One of them is your governor in a territory is appointed. Everybody doesn't get together and have a nice free and fair election. Your governor is appointed. The president of the United States, he's going to decide who's governor. But things start going south for young Billy in New Mexico. All right. What's this advantage the left has over us? I'll tell you later on. Hang on. Jesse Kelly Show. Doctors trusted CBD companies. They do something I value a lot. They make my life easier. I mean, shouldn't shouldn't that be the goal with any company you do business with, you buy things from? They researched the entire CBD industry to make sure they only sell the best products, the tested products. Products like Be Best Organics, which is made in the USA. And I'm glad they did because I can't. Can you? Do you possess the knowledge? Do you have the time to research the entire industry? Of course you don't. I I don't either. And I want more natural solutions for me, for my body. It's just better. Go see what I'm talking about. Go to DoctorsTrustedCBD.com and check out the huge variety of products they have there. DoctorsTrustedCBD.com. While you're there, use the promo code JESSE. That gets you free shipping and 10% off. Billy and his mother and his dirtball stepfather settle in in New Mexico and settling in consisted of his mother working her fingers to the bone and his father getting hammer housed every night and spending what little money he made silver prospecting. Billy, on the other hand, really took to New Mexico. He did well in school, well thought of in school, and he loved Mexicans. New Mexico was not a predominantly white place at the time. New Mexico was full of Indians. It was full of Mexicans. And Billy just seemed to fit right in. Hung out in the Mexican part of town, enjoyed Mexican women, learned to speak fluent Spanish, loved the Mexican parties. And who doesn't love a Mexican party? I feel bad for you people who don't live in an area with enough Mexicans that you don't get to enjoy Cinco de Mayo party because that's as good as it gets, baby. Don't let me get distracted, Chris. We have a serious show. 
Don't forget, we have this chef coming on who he's breaking the law right now. And he put out a video. I'm very worried for him. I've talked to him off air. I'll ask him some of these questions on air, but I'm worried he is going to get himself arrested. But he not only opened, put out a video saying, I'm open. Screw you. Come eat. I'm not losing everything for this. All right. Anyway, back to my story. Billy's mom dies when he's 15 years old. Stepfather, unsurprisingly, doesn't stick around to be a loving mentor, packs it up, packs it in, takes off, and now Billy is alone at 15 in in a place that's not even a state surrounded by a bunch of people he doesn't know. And if it sounds like I'm doing this thing where I'm setting up a gigantic excuse for his life, it's because I am. Okay, one, he's an outlaw, and that's kind of cool. And two, they they say he murdered all these people. I'm not seeing any murders in here. Or if you want to call some of these things we're going to get to murders, fine. Uh, I don't know that I would. All right, back to my story. Billy falls in with a local criminal with maybe the coolest name ever. I tried to get you more information on this guy. Sadly, there's nothing. He falls in with a local criminal by the name of Sombrero Jack. <laughs> I'm not making that up. That's awesome. Chris, are we, we probably can't add any more nicknames for me. Can we dang it? We have the Oracle. We have Shogun. Steel isn't a nickname. Remember, it's what I'm going to change my middle name to, so that doesn't count. There's no way we can add Sombrero Jesse to there, right? We could do it on Cinco de Mayo. That's a great call. Yes! That just happened. When is Cinco de Mayo? I'm just kidding. See? What? We can make jokes. Quit. He ends up being a lookout for Sombrero Jack when Sombrero Jack robs places. Gets arrested. Gets arrested, gets thrown in the clink, and there are these moments, and I've always found this to be amazing. You can look back oftentimes on your life or someone else's life, and you can, you can picture this one moment where if they'd done one thing differently, their life may have turned out different. And this was the moment for Billy the Kid. Remember, he's a he's a teenager, 15, 16 years old, gets thrown in the clink by the local sheriff, but he's thrown in the clink for being a lookout for a petty crime. Even if he's guilty, they're just going to let him out soon, month or two. And not only were they going to let him out soon, the local sheriff, I believe his name was Whitehall. Don't quote me on that. I didn't look that up. The local sheriff loves Billy. He's well thought of in the community, well, well-mannered, polite. It's not like he was in there being abused. And yet Billy the Kid, I mean, he couldn't help but be Billy the Kid. He chooses to escape. He's a very small human being, a very small human being. He escapes up the chimney. I'm not making this up. Uh, Now, that's too claustrophobic for for me. He pulls the reverse Santa Claus and escapes from prison 
up the chimney where he was going to be let out soon anyway, even if he was found guilty. And now you're a fugitive from the law. Takes off. Has no horse. Has no supplies. Has no mother. Has no father. Has no place to go. Takes off on foot across the wilderness. And remember... The wilderness is an inhospitable place today, especially in southwestern United States of America, where the temperatures are 9 million degrees approximately. Now, let's go ahead and add in some Apache Indians who will who will bury you alive and then pour fire ants on your head if they find you. I'm not making that up. The Apache were infamous torturers. The Apaches, this is the age of Geronimo. The Apaches are tearing through the Southwest at this time. Indians are routinely a problem. Billy sets off on foot with nothing, including no water. Somehow lives as he gets across this desert and gets a job as a clerk on a ranch. He's just trying to get by. It's not obviously a high-end job. He's not a high-end dude. He's trying to survive. Starts figuring out he's not a terrible gambler, and he starts gambling at a saloon. And while I certainly will be the last person in the history of the world to lecture anybody on hanging out in a bar... I did way too much of that in my lifetime, which is why I can hardly form sentences today. But your environment, the environment you choose to throw yourself in, has such a huge effect on your life. And you don't want to think it does, right? I don't want to think it does. I'm I'm the master of my domain. I don't adjust to the environment around me. They adjust to me. I'm basically the sun, Chris. The the world. We all have egos. We all, even if you're not, even if you don't have an obnoxious ego like me, we think on those terms. I'll be fine. Who cares? No, the truth is the people you hang around affect you. The environment you live in affects you. This is a bitter pill to swallow, but if you are in some crazy leftist city, you probably are going to be affected in ways by that. And vice versa. If you're in the wilderness of Wyoming, you're going to be affected in some ways by that, and the values around you, the culture around you, even if it doesn't change who you are, it may change how you act. It may change how you speak. Don't, don't discount that. The people you're around, the environment you're around, it affects you. And this is a young, impressionable, still teenage young man starts finding himself in the saloon. I'm sure starts to taste whiskey for the first time. I've been a young man at that age before. I'm sure starts looking at a a girl or two, not the kind you'd bring home to mom. Starts dabbling in the side of life that can really get you in trouble. What else gets a man in trouble worse than booze and women? Maybe money. Of those three things, pretty much that sums it up. 
And he starts hanging around criminals because he's gambling in a saloon. And these criminals start bringing him under their wing. They like him. He is notoriously a charming, likable young man. All right. The enemy is here already. And I don't think we talk about it enough. We have that a little later on in the show. Hang on. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. The enemy is here already. It's creepy to me how our government is not only not doing anything about it, they seem to be working with them. I'll explain what I mean in just a few. Let's try to wrap up Billy the Kid, which may be difficult because I love this. Falls in with the wrong crowd as he's gambling. Mom's dead. Starts stealing horses. Stealing horses is... Not uncommon, but this is a different era, remember? Stealing horses, they'll hang you for that. You can die for stealing horses and cattle. I, I, because we don't use horses on a daily basis, 99% of us don't use horses on a daily basis. We don't realize what a big deal the horse was, but the horse was Everything at this time. And the more of them you had, the more wealthy you were. <laughs> Chris said in Texas, you're still legally allowed to hang someone who stole your horse. You know, they still have all these old laws that haven't been repealed. This was common. But that, that is not, that's not a wild, crazy Texas thing. It was the death penalty. You steal someone's horse. It's a big deal. Starts doing that. Buys himself a weapon. Starts practicing with said weapon. Remember that old saying from that movie, Man on Fire, that I love? I'm going to stop crediting the movie and just start taking credit myself. Can I do that, Chris? It's my show. The line is, there's no such thing as tough. There's trained and there's untrained. Billy starts training himself with a weapon. 
he enjoys it. And let's be honest with ourselves. There's a touch of little man syndrome going on here. He's hanging around the saloon. He's hanging around a bunch of rough, tough desperados. And not only is he 16, 17 years old, he's small. He's a notoriously small human being. If you're going to do that and hang out in that crowd, you better find some way to make them fear you. And he turns out to be really, really good with a handgun. Really good. He's really fast. He's really accurate. That's not just one of these legends. The dude can handle a weapon. Now, there's a blacksmith in town. His name was Cahill. Blacksmithing is a fascinating, fascinating thing. I still find it to be fascinating to this day. But a blacksmith especially back then, was hard physical labor. Very hard physical labor. Rough work. And if you are a blacksmith for any length of time, you are going to become physically very, very, very strong. Cahill was a big man. And he used to love calling Billy the Kid names in the bar trying to bully him. One day, they get into it and fully into it, and Cahill body slams Billy the Kid to the ground and jumps on top of him, starts slapping him around and beating the crap out of him. Only this is a new day and age for Billy the Kid, manages to get an arm free and get a hand on his gun. And now Cahill's dead. Well, let's pause here for a moment in my hour-long defense of a bla- of a murderer today. Is that murder? I I wasn't there. I don't know if he felt his life was in danger. I will tell you, if especially if somebody bigger than you significantly has you pinned down to the ground, Pounding on your head, you are in officially a deadly situation by my account. I don't I certainly don't think you can call that cold-blooded murder what Billy did. Maybe you can argue he went too far. I would say to you, what's he supposed to do? If you're getting the crap kicked out of you by somebody you give up a hundred pounds to, you have precious few options. Anyway, we're not we're done defending murderers today, Chris. Billy shoots him. Billy does get charged with murder for this, which I, I, I think it is so blatantly unfair, but he boogies out of town. Now, remember, New Mexico is a different place. Remember, it's a territory, not a state. Governor's appointed. I should have laid something else out about New Mexico. Because it's a territory, the law kind of exists and kind of doesn't. There are sheriffs. We'll get to that in a moment. One of them's about to die. There are sheriffs here. But really, at this point in time, New Mexico is essentially an oligarchy. There are wealthy, wealthy people buying up the entire state and controlling everything in the state. There is a ranch In Lincoln County, New Mexico, Lincoln County was like a fifth of the state. It was gigantic. There's a ranch called the Murphy Dolan Ranch. You know the best part about this Billy the Kid show, Chris? 
as we are on in Albuquerque, just this awesome station in Albuquerque, and somebody is going to be a Billy the Kid expert there, and I'm going to screw something up, and they're going to tear me apart for this whole thing. <laughs> it's never happened yet, but they might. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. You're welcome to yell at me. It's, there's so much legend around the guy. I did try to sort through as many things as possible to figure out what I could give you as an actual fact. But this, everything I'm giving you today is stuff that I believe to be true from what we've seen. Anyway, New Mexico, Murphy Dolan Ranch. Murphy and Dolan are Irish immigrants. Remember back to the beginning of the show, we were talking about that Irish-British tension. It's about to come back into play here. They're Irish immigrants. They own this humongous ranch, all these beef cattle, and they sell the beef cattle to the army. This is a time when the armed forces are very active in places like New Mexico, trying to fight off the Indians, trying to get the Apaches under heel. I love the Apaches. We need to do a show on them. They're like my favorite. They're awesome. So they're trying to bring in the Apaches, trying to get the Apaches uh, brought in. And these guys are selling the army, so they have a contract with the army, a lucrative one, selling them beef. Men got to eat. But it, it was more than that. And I pray to God you never live in a place like this, even though in some way you already do. But these guys control much more than a cattle ranch and the beef prices. They own the town. When I say own the town, you're shopping in the Murphy Dolan General Store. You're buying booze from the Murphy Dolan Bar. You're getting your horseshoes made at the Murphy Dolan Blacksmith. Who do you think the sheriff around there really works for? His name was Sheriff Brady. He worked for Murphy Dolan. This is an area, and these things have existed throughout history, where these men are the law. They are everything. And people who have that kind of power, complete control of an area, will do anything to keep it. Guess who shows up now? Who would be the one type of person to show up to these Murphy Dolan guys and drive them absolutely murderous with rage. Who would that person be? I'll tell you in a second. Also, remember, I'm going to give you a warning later on. We may do this in 10 minutes, maybe in 20 minutes. I'm going to give you a warning. But we have what I consider to be the saddest audio we have ever played on this show. It is. I don't even have a heart. And it was heart-wrenching. Hang on. Jesse Kelly returns next. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, 
your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Jesse Kelly. Oh, yeah. What's the worst thing that could show up for a couple of rich Irish immigrants who seized control over Lincoln County? A British dude, a rich British dude, Henry Tunstall, shows up. He's a banker. The guy apparently has more money than God. And he, I don't know the man, I don't know his motivations, but he decides... He's going to go ahead and get in on this whole cattle ranching thing. And remember, Murphy Dolan aren't just businessmen. They have muscle around them. They have guns around them. They have the sheriff. Now, Billy rolls into town. Billy is still Billy. Billy is still a thief. Remember, he's on the run for the, from the law at this point for murder, even though I say he's innocent. But he's on the run from the law. He steals a cow or cattle, I don't know how many, and he happens to steal from Henry Tunstall. Tunstall doesn't want him charged. Instead, hires him. Hires him, brings him in, to one, provide security because Tunstall's not an idiot. He knows the other Murphy Dolan guys want, want him dead. He wants Billy to work security and work as a cowboy on his ranch. And Billy does and loves it. It was very difficult work. Working, look, the cowboy stuff looks a lot better in the movies than it is in real life. It's tough work. Cold, hot, crappy food. Sleep it on the ground at night. It's, it's, it's a rough life. Billy does very well, and Tunstall treats him like gold. Billy's famous for saying he was the only man who ever treated me right. Billy loves this guy like a father. They were actually very close to the same age, if memory serves me, but Billy loves this guy like a father. Remember I said the sheriff was corrupt and owned? His name was Brady. The sheriff gets a court order. Remember, sheriff, court order. This is all legal. Sheriff gets a court order to confiscate all the horses and cattle on Henry Tunstall's land. Tunstall sees this, 
freaks out. I, I don't know about freaks out, but he's th- he says to himself, this is unjust. Got to be some kind of misunderstanding. And in an all-time bonehead move, Tunstall, by himself, rides into town. Tunstall runs into the good Sheriff Brady and his posse. And by the time the sheriff and the posse ride away, Henry Tunstall's dead. Billy the Kid loses his mind. His buddies, they call themselves the regulators. That's not just from the movie. That's really what they called themselves. His buddies also lose their minds and they vow revenge. Now, revenge is great for the movies. Not so great in your life or my life, but... They set up an assassination of a sheriff. Not exactly the kind of thing you or I push for normally, right? But who are you rooting for so far in this story? Don't lie. I know. The regulators set up an ambush behind a wall in town. Wait for Sheriff Brady and boom, boom, boom. Sheriff dead and one of his deputies dead. Now, Billy the Kid is not only wanted for murder, he's wanted for murder of two law enforcement officers. Uh Uh-oh. It's a very big deal. They finally corner Billy and the regulators in the home of a man named McSween. He He was a friend of the family. The sheriff, all these guys, they have the place surrounded for a couple days. During this time, another sheriff's deputy is killed. They blame that one on Billy the Kid, too. I'm not sure whether that's accurate or not. It could have been. He was probably the best guy with the gun, but somebody else died in there. The sheriff's department realizes they're probably a little outgunned here. And where do they go for help? They go to the military base where they're supplying the cattle and request military help and get it. The military comes in with the freaking high-powered weapons. Eventually, McSween gets gunned down himself. The house gets set on fire. But, I mean, the guy is, no wonder he's such a great movie character. I don't know how you escape from a home that's surrounded by the U.S. military. Billy the Kid gets out. He finds a way to escape. He hides out with the Latino community. Like I said, he's always felt at home there. Spoke the language. And remember, how well do you think the poorer Latino farmers were treated by the Murphy Dolan thing? They hated these oligarchs. So you didn't have to go far if you're Billy the Kid to get treated like some conquering hero. He's the first guy fighting back, isn't he? All right, we have one more great tale before we wrap this up today. And the advantage the left has over us. Hang on. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm -mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. 
Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. <clears throat> Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. <sighs> Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. I warned you at the beginning of the show you were going to find yourself rooting for the bad guy a little bit today. At this point in time, if you didn't already know the story of Billy the Kid, you're probably cheering. Well, you're not going to start cheering. You're not going to stop cheering for Billy. At this point, once you get in a shootout with the local sheriff, you're gunning down law enforcement officers and the United States military gets involved in a shootout, that is going to draw attention. Yes, even in the 1800s, it's going to draw lots of attention. President of the United States of America starts really, really looking into this whole New Mexico territory situation and doesn't like what he sees. Tells the governor there, you are gone. Tells another man named Wallace, okay, you're the governor now. Get all this stuff cleaned up out here. But it's about to get dirtier. Hang on. Kelly Show. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. Oh, boy. This is some somber audio we have to play, Chris. I, I'm almost... Do we want to play it now? You know what we're going to do, Chris? I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to play this somber audio here in just a second before I finish the Billy the Kid story. Because the Billy the Kid story, the end of it is really cool. And so here's here, I want you to know what I'm thinking, Chris. Nobody else can hear me right now, right? I want you to know what I'm thinking. I consider myself to be basically Leonardo. I'm, what? What? Isn't he the one that made the sculpture things? I don't know. I went to community college. But I, I'm I'm molding the audience with my hands. Why are you rolling your eyes? 
And what we're going to do is, if I have to bring everybody down with this audio, then I'll bring them right back up again because I am the potter and they are the clay. Chris? What? What's your problem is? So listen to me before I play it in all seriousness. This is, it's a video going around, and we are going to put the video up on our social media page. You can follow it on Twitter, at Jesse Kelly Show. I obviously have my own separate Twitter, but that's the show's Twitter page, at Jesse Kelly Show. So if you want to see the video of this, and I would recommend you go look at it, you can go follow us, at Jesse Kelly Show. This is a lady, obviously a bar owner, in California. You aren't going to be able to see it when she points out what they have allowed in L.A., but what she's pointing out is when she says, like, look at this, what she's pointing out is a sea of outdoor tents with tables and chairs set up inside of them. And then you'll hear her say, you'll hear her basically point to her business, which looks like it's about 75, 100 feet away where they closed her outdoor dining. But more than what you see, I wanted you to hear this. I thought about not playing, but I wanted you to hear this. Listen to this woman's voice. Listen to this woman's voice. This is what we've allowed these dirt balls to do to us. So this is my place, the Pineapple Hill Grill and Saloon. If you go to my page, you can see all the work I did for outdoor dining, for tables being seven feet apart. And I come in today because I'm organizing a protest. And I walk into my parking lot, and obviously Mayor Garcetti has approved this being set up for a movie company. I'm losing everything. Everything I own is being taken away from me and they set up a movie company right next to my outdoor patio, which is right over here. And people wonder why I'm protesting and why I have had enough. They have not given us money and they have shut us down. We cannot survive, my staff cannot survive. Tell me that this is dangerous, but right next to me as a slap in my face, that's safe. This is safe. 50 feet away? This is dangerous. Mayor Garcetti and Gavin Newsom is responsible for every single person that doesn't have unemployment, that does not have a job, and all the businesses that are going under. And we need your help. We need somebody to do something about this. That's tough, man. That is, uh, that sound fake to you? What a disgrace. And you know what? I'll get to that after I finish my Bill of the Kids story. I may even play it again because now my blood is just boiling and I'm ready to choke somebody. Back to Billy the Kid. Chris, get focused. Billy the Kid. There's a new governor. Governor Wallace takes over the New Mexico Territory and promises immunity for everybody. Everyone can have immunity. Come on in. Come on in and testify. He gives Billy the Kid, or at least Billy the Kid thinks he's given. There's dispute about whether he was actually given it. He gives Billy the Kid immunity as well. Come on in. Test, 
Testify against Murphy. Testify against Dolan. Testify about the things they've been doing. And Billy the Kid does. Rolls in. This is a man after justice. And then Governor Wallace leaves town and promptly drops the whole thing against Murphy and Dolan. You see, this is the moment that really brought me home to so much of where we are today. That moment of you always think you're constantly teased by you're just about to get some justice. I promise it's right around the corner. Maybe with this happening or this election or this attorney general, you're all, but it's almost there. And it's never really there. It never comes. We'll talk to Sean Davis about that in Durham and all this stuff. But Billy chooses to stay in New Mexico, though. He still steals cattle. He is on the war path against the Murphy Dolan guys. Eventually, he is jailed. And he is jailed. And because he is officially, remember, a cop killer, he is going to be hanged or hung. I don't know words. I'm not sure which one you're supposed to use there, Chris. Eventually says he has to use the outhouse, goes and uses the outhouse. He is shackled. He turns as he's going back into the prison. I still don't know how this little runt pulled this off, but he tackles the guard, takes the guard's pistol away from him, and once Billy the Kid has a pistol, you're in a great deal of trouble. He shoots the guard dead. Well, the guy who was really running things at this sheriff, I forget his last name. His first name was Bob, and he was a world-class jerk, apparently, always abusing Billy, just a jerk. Billy the Kid knows that Bob is really close by, and he's going to have heard the shot. So Billy the Kid runs upstairs, grabs a double-barrel shotgun from the second floor, and waits for Bob to come running across the street, which Bob does come running across the street, and Billy so famously looks out the window and yells, Hello, Bob, and blows him out of the water. (laughs) That's not funny, Chris. Dang it. There's a new sheriff in town, though, and his name is Pat Garrett. He is familiar with Billy the Kid. He knows the places to look, and Billy the Kid is still remembered just a kid. He likes a girl. Her name is Paulita Maxwell. Like many young girls, she has a father, a father not too thrilled that the guy his daughter's into happens to be the most famous outlaw in the United States of America. Her father goes to the sheriff and tells him, I know where he'll be. And sure enough, Billy the Kid is shacking up with Paulina Maxwell. Garrett shows up, has another deputy there. Billy does hear something. Garrett, though, hides in the dark, in the room in the dark with with the Maxwell father. Billy goes to the door, says, who's there? Senses something wrong, so he backs into the door. Now, this part is disputed. Nobody wants to be the guy who shot a man in the back, especially if you want to be a famous sheriff. You want to have a glorious shootout where it was touch and go, but, but you got him. The common belief, though, is Billy backed into a dark room 
where the Maxwell father whispers to Pat Garrett, that's him, and Pat Garrett shoots him in the back dead. And that's the story of Billy the Kid. Now, let me ask you something. Obviously, you can quibble. You and I can quibble about parts of that story, things we think Billy probably should have done differently, the way he should have conducted himself. But what do you think about following the law? What situation are we in here in America in 2020? We're going to talk about these things. May even play that audio again. Hang on. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. Like a stain on your brain, you can't get out. Natural medicines, holistic healing approaches, these things are known. They are known to alleviate things like joint pain, anxiety, sleeplessness. Go to DoctorsTrustedCBD.com and get some CBD. I choose CBD. We all put enough garbage in our body. Doctors Trusted CBD, they've been doing natural medicine since 1999. They know what they're doing. There are natural solutions out there. And I love that they they researched the whole industry. They teamed up with Be Best Organics, which is made in the USA, which means a lot to me now as it should to you. Plus, Be Best Organics, USDA certified organic. DoctorsTrustedCBD.com. Use the promo code JESSE. That gets you free shipping, and it actually even gets you 10% off. So this is my place, the Pineapple Hill Grill and Saloon. If you go to my page, you can see all the work I did for outdoor dining, for tables being seven feet apart. And I come in today because I'm organizing a protest and I walk into my parking lot and obviously Mayor Garcetti has approved this being set up for a movie company. I'm losing everything. Everything I own is being taken away from me and they set up a movie company right next to my outdoor patio, which is right over here. And people wonder why I'm protesting and why I have had enough. They have not given us money and they have shut us down. We cannot survive, my staff cannot survive. Tell me that this is dangerous, but right next to me as a slap in my face, that's safe. This is safe? 50 feet away? This is dangerous. Mayor Garcetti and Gavin Newsom is responsible for every single person that doesn't have unemployment, that does not have a job, and all the businesses that are going under. And we need your help. We need somebody to do something about this. Who's the good guy and who's the bad guy? There. I asked you Specifically, at the beginning of the show, should you follow the law? Should you become a criminal? 
and you and I, especially as people on the right, hopefully everybody, but especially as people on the right, you have a natural inclination to follow the law, don't you? I don't want to break the law. I understand that I've broken more than one in my lifetime, but I don't I don't try to do that. I try to train my sons not to do that. Obey the law. Listen to law enforcement. Are we Are we passing that age? Because you realize It wasn't just Lincoln County in New Mexico. There are times, many times, throughout the history of mankind where following the law meant doing the wrong thing. And breaking the law was the right thing. And isn't that what we should seek? At least you. I'm always going to seek out the wrong thing. That's who I am. But at least you in your life, don't you want to do right and not do wrong? Well, isn't that more important than the law? Whatever law some idiot politician passes or rule they pass, right and wrong is really what we're going for, isn't it? Shouldn't it be? What are you prepared to do when the law is wrong? Are you prepared to break it? Let me ask you something even harder. Do you have a moral obligation to break it? You see, this is what we do so often. We hide behind either our religious beliefs, our personal moral code, whatever you want to call it. We hide behind it. And, and, and use it as a shield for doing what's easy. I, I will tell you because I don't want to point fingers at anyone else as much as I love making fun of Jewish producer Chris. Let's let's call it Christians. That's my own personal religion. Let's call it Christians. How easy would it be to do the very America 2020 version of Christianity thing and say, well, it wouldn't be right to break the law. I know what you're doing. You're trying to make life easy. Let's be honest. This has nothing to do with Jesus. The easy thing is not breaking the law. I understand that people are going to be angry about this. I undoubtedly am going to get in trouble. 877-377-4373 is the number. 877-377-4373 or jesse at jessekellyshow.com. I say this, and you're welcome to disagree. I don't care. I say we are at the point now where you have a moral obligation to defy these orders. I say you have a moral obligation, and I'm not doing that coronavirus is fake thing. I'm not doing that. It's obviously real. It's obviously killed people. It's going to kill more people, and I'm not minimizing that at all. People die. It's sad. It's tragic. It's awful. I've seen plenty of death in my own life. Trust me, I know. It sucks. You don't murder a nation for a virus. 
You don't murder a nation for the freaking bubonic plague. You definitely don't murder one for a virus with a 99% plus survivability rate. And I say, these politicians are never going to give back power ever. They're never going to. The mayor of Los Angeles is never going to wake up one morning and say, I don't I don't like this power anymore. I'm going to give some back. You're going to take back this power or you're never getting it back. I say you have an obligation to open your business. And I am not naive and I'm not saying that flippantly. I understand what that may mean for you personally. I understand that may mean fines, business license gone, maybe even jail. I get that. So you're going to have to make that call on your own. Nobody can make it for you. I say we have an obligation now to stop these madmen before they completely wreck us all. Maybe, maybe you would feel obligated or should feel obligated to follow this lockdown insanity if these politicians were doing the same in their own personal lives. They're not. That's the most amazing thing. It's not just the damage they're doing. They're all defying their own orders and laughing in your stupid face while they do it. Gavin Newsom, locked down the state. Nobody go out. Boom, busted out having dinner, no mask. Nancy Pelosi, wear a mask, save a life, don't you care about people? Boom, busted on camera, no mask, getting a haircut. Chicago, Lori Lightfoot, don't you dare get your haircut, it could spread coronavirus. Boom, busted, private barber coming over to her house. And these are just three incident after incident after incident of the people destroying you laughing in your face, mocking you. What are you going to do about it, peasant? No, the rules are for you. And they always come out with some lame apology to, oh, I had a slight, every time. That mayor of Austin just did the same thing. Don't you dare travel. It could spread coronavirus. And did that video from Cabo San Lucas. And every time the apologies, oh, I had a, I had a slight error in judgment. Whoops. I, look, I tripped. It happens. It was dark. I tripped over this box that was in my, I didn't know the box was there. And I ended up in Cabo San Lucas. Oh, man. Whoops. But anyway, sorry. Hope you forgive me. Go ahead and go home. Lockdown. The law is not right and wrong. And I'll tell you something else. This is not limited to coronavirus. This is way beyond coronavirus. I'll tell you what I mean in a few. We got to talk to Sean Davis about Barr. Who's who's Bill Barr? I, I heard of him once. Hang on. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen. For late nights writing English papers. For your teen's music taste. For dinners, where they talk more on their phone than with you. 
for the first time, they call you mom. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen, and you can't imagine the reward. To learn more about adopting a teen, visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. Part-time job, full-time hustle, all-time Shiro to all of us. You nurture, we listen. You teach, we thrive. You lift our spirits, but we've got to lay down the truth. It's time for you, our Shiro, to stretch for the stars. Start saving more for retirement now so you can feel prepared and live your life to the fullest. Get free tips to help boost your retirement savings now at aceyourretirement.org slash Shiro. A message brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Been talking a lot today about defying the rules, defying the law, telling these people where to stick it. Well, let's talk to a man who actually put his money where his mouth is. He's been on our show before. We love him. Chef Andrew Gruel, open owner of Slapfish, which I would highly recommend, judge on the Food Network. Chef, before we get into what the response has been Tell us first, pretend like nobody's ever seen it, even though you're a sensation now. What did you do and why did you do it? Well, first of all, the backdrop is, um, you know, my feelings are probably the same as everybody else's. I feel like we've been living in in a flipping alternate reality for the past three months. I mean, it's just getting worse and worse. So, you know, I'm sitting on Twitter and somebody's trashing me because I'm going against the, quote, data or science that shows or doesn't show whether people are going to get sick from eating outdoors all the while, you know, planes are landing left and right. And there's 500 other things going on that are, you know, hypocritical, or if you will, that I could prove would be worse than whatever they're saying we're doing. So I just kind of went off on a little bit of a Twitter rant and uh, yeah, I guess a couple people saw it. What did you say? Look, at the end of the day, um, it's all, we, uh, they're taking, they're taking everything, they're taking everything away. We're letting them do it, and they're doing it a little bit more and more and more. Nobody's pushing back, so they're taking more and more and more. Everything they take away, they give to their friends, they give to their cronies. Gavin's passing around to everybody else. I mean, he's shutting down the economy, but he's able to do whatever he wants. That you know, the hypocrisy now is gotten so bad that everyone just expects it. And the hilarity about it is that. That's it. They just expect it, and it's kind of like, oh, hum, oh, it's funny. It's just our hypocritical elite leaders doing what they do, ha-ha. Uh, you know, all the while, we're not even able to eat outdoors. I mean, come on. What kind of a world are we living in? What has the response been, before we get to the bad stuff, what has the response been from people supporting you? Did people come out and eat? Did they Did they shun you? Were they? What, what has been the, the response? People have come out in droves. Our sales were up three, four x year on year, uh, you know, awesome. over over the weekend. And we could have even been busier, but we didn't even have food. We actually ran out of half of our menu because we were so busy. <laughs> that is um, so great. All right, now to the bad part. What do you know about the authorities? Obviously, I'm sure they've seen this video of yours that went viral by now. Anyway, are you hearing from the cops, from the government? Have you heard nothing? What's happening? 
I've gotten some some messaging from the local sheriff's department that, you know, no worries, they got our back. Although oh. the way in which they're going to try and, you know, punish us uh, in this regard is either through the health department or the ABC. So I'm working creatively through all of this to try and come up with my solution without even trying to have to hit that legal hammer. Um, you know, because the way I look at this is people come into my restaurant and they eat. They're sitting on my patio. My to-go materials are actually plates. That's what we use for people for to-go food. So they're just out there eating to-go. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. All right. Are you hearing anything from – look, I know you, all you restaurant guys know each other. Are you hearing anything from other owners of restaurants that are inspired, thinking about it, warning you to not do it? What are you hearing from them? Yep. Um, the very next day, a buddy of mine came down. He owns Bastard's Canteen up in Downey, um, um, an incredible Marine. We've worked together for years on some great organizations. And he uh, he said, you know what? Screw it. You're doing it. I'll do it, too. So he's staying open, and he's up in L.A. So he's even dealing with a, with a harsher uh, mayor up there. Um, and I've got, I want to say, maybe 25 messages from people saying, thank you. I'm going to do the same thing. So I'm trying to get everybody's name out um, and uh, spread the good word. Oh, that is fantastic. All right, Chef, give me, because we've never actually broken down Slapfish. All I see are these heavenly pictures you post on Twitter that make everybody drool all over themselves. Give me your, if you had to make a meal for the President of the United States of America, which one off your menu, what are you making? Uh, Well, look, I got to go with the lobster. Our number one is the lobster grilled cheese, but uh, our surf and turf burger, because everybody needs a little more meat in their lives. Um, would probably be the one for the president uh, after the lobster appetizer. So that's just a big, fat Angus beef patty smothered in a whole lobster, uh, you know, melted cheese, and our, our we call it our awesome sauce. Oh, all right. I need you to break down for me in detail lobster grilled cheese, please. And, and sorry, I should have said it the right way. It's uh, it's lobster grilled cheese, half, half crab, half lobster. It's like a seafood superhero. Gosh, that sounds so fantastic. What kind of cheese are we talking about, and what kind of bread? Uh, so we're using on this, we use our own thick-cut sourdough. Um, we use a clarified butter, so you get that really nice toast on the bread, both sides. Uh, that's the key to this, right? you got to have the architecture of the sandwich so that thing stands up when you pick it up. And then we just use a simple uh, hand-shredded mozzarella cheese. We were actually making our own mozzarella for a while, but then things got a little out of control. Too many lost fingers. And, uh, you know, and, and, and there it is. How does one, I, I mean, obviously you own, you own more than one location, correct? Yeah. So we own seven in Southern California mm-hmm. and then the rest around the United States are all franchised. Now, how do you, how did you start? When was your first one? Did you start with one? How did, how did that come about? Yeah. So I started with a food truck in 2011. I tried to raise capital for the brick and mortar, um, I'd been working uh, in the seafood supply chain for a couple of years out here, developed relationships, and I said, all right, the idea behind the concept was getting the quality of fine dining seafood that you would get at, you know, a Four Seasons, a Ritz-Carlton, what have you, but then selling it at the cost and convenience of fast food. So if I could cut out the middleman, I could serve it in an environment where it was, you know, just relaxed, flip-flops, et cetera. Um, couldn't raise capital, so I said, screw it, leverage myself to the brim. And then I went and I gave some guy $500 down at the local food truck lot and said, give me your food truck for the week. Posted a banner up on the side, said lobster rolls and fish tacos, and just started driving around selling lobster rolls and fish tacos. Now, I and, know what, uh, 
I, I, sorry, I don't want to. I don't want you to give away any secrets, obviously. But how does one set up? How do you get fresh seafood? Because clearly, it's seafood. You can't go with the stuff that's two months old. How can you possibly get fresh seafood at something that's even close to affordable? You clearly do both. How's that possible? Well, first of all, what people don't realize is ninety nine percent of all seafood is frozen at sea. So, there, so the word fresh isn't really um, defined outside of just you know kind of marketing vernacular. So when you get your seafood that's sashimi grade, frozen at sea, then you have the opportunity to distribute it in an easier manner. So what we do is about half the seafood that we bring in is sushi grade, frozen at sea. Got to do that anyway to you know kill the parasites in a sushi manner. And um, um, then the other half is we just work with a bunch of local fishermen. So you know we've got guys that call me at four in the morning and say I just brought in three hundred pounds of bluefin off the coast, and then they'll just come and drop it off at the restaurant and and. Uh, um, oh. you know, we'll serve it right away. So we've kind of got a, a network of fishermen around the, around the coastline. God, that is incredible, Chef. I want people to support you. I want people. Look, if you saw the food he served, you'd be out there in five minutes from now. People, tell people where they can go. How can they go get some food from you? Uh, you know, check out Slapfish uh, or Slapfish Seafood on Twitter. Andrew Gruel on Twitter. Um, you know, all the locations are on our website, SlapfishRestaurant.com. And that's the place to be. Fish so fresh, it'll slap you. Jeff, I appreciate you. Honestly, you may not consider it so. I consider what you're doing to be the most patriotic thing I've seen in a while in this country. I love it. Please keep it up. Hey, thank you. You're an inspiration. Appreciate you, my brother. I'll tell you, man, that floored me. After he did it, he put out this video and said, we're opening up. He sent me a message because he's a friend of mine. We've had him on before. And he said, you're the one who inspired me to do this. Daggone, that's heavy. I don't need to be anybody's inspiration. I'm nothing but a bad influence. But that's pretty freaking cool. All right. It's time for us to talk about, and I'm going to make this brief. The enemy that's already here. And it's creepy. And it's creepy we don't talk about it more. Hang on. Feeling a little stocky. Follow, like, and subscribe on social at Jesse Kelly DC. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has pre-diabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. (gasps) Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners.
it's very <laughs> i almost sound like a conspiracy theorist nutter when i talk about what we're about to talk about here but there's no other way to look at this remember we still have to talk to sean davis about john durham and bill barr and where are where are they are they are they alive can we get a wellness check on bill barr please Remember how he was going to drain the swamp? <laughs> yeah. We still have to talk about a huge advantage the left has over us. Get to that. But first, remember when, I think this was last week, maybe the week before. I don't know. I've had a lot of beer in my life. When we found out that China that they were funding through different companies, they were funding major American newspapers. Major American newspapers. Remember that? Not some. This is not a story in the Acquirer. This was a real article. Two different headlines here. You know what? No. Let's go three different headlines. First headline, Columbia failed to disclose $1 million in CCP funding. The New York-based university is the only Ivy League institution to host a Confucius Institute, a controversial Chinese government-funded program that at its height operated in more than 100 U.S. colleges. Hanbon, Hanbon, the Beijing-controlled entity that manages the Confucius Institute, pledged at least $1 million in donations to Columbia University, according to a Chinese state media report. Department of Education records show that Columbia never disclosed any such donations to the federal government. Let's just pause there for a brief moment so you don't think I'm completely out in la-la land. I just want to make this clear for you. Not only is China funding their own propaganda to be pushed on American students at American universities. They're funding it at America's most elite universities, most exclusive universities. Y'all, congratulations. Your little Billy got straight A's. Glad he worked so hard and got into Harvard. Now you're raising a communist. That's one. Two. And this part may be the most amazing part, not just that we're allowing our enemy to educate our children at our most elite universities, but our most elite universities are so aware of how disgusting this is, they're not disclosing it to the federal government. That is bonkers talk. That is France and Germany in in the 40s. That is Germany paying a million dollars to the most elite university in France to teach those French college students about the greatness of Nazism. And France just going, oh, well, that's kind of creepy. Anyway, are there any other big issues? The enemy is here all around us, funding our media, educating our children, controlling the movies you watch out of Hollywood, and nobody talks about it. Oh, wait. Believe it or not, it actually gets worse. China funded, this is from The Federalist, China funded Facebook, sorry, that last one was from Free Beacon, I forgot. 
This is from the Federalist, though. China-funded Facebook fact-checker is now censoring criticism of its fake fact-checks. Yes, you read that right. The Federalist published a piece on Monday headlined, The Georgia Voting Counting Video Was Not Debunked, Not Even Closed by Federalist Senior Editor editor Molly Hemingway, in which investigates how one of Facebook's designated fact-checkers supposedly debunked claims related to an explosive video corroborating Republican charges of of election fraud in Georgia. Moments before the post was published on Facebook, however, the company released a notification to users that the post had been flagged for misinformation based on a supposed fact-check by one of its One of its third-party fact-checkers, Lead Stories. That's the name of the third-party fact-checker. According to Lead Stories, which relies on funding from a mix of Silicon Valley tech giants, Google and Facebook, in addition to Chinese-operated ByteDance headquartered in Beijing, allegations of unmonitored ballot counting in Georgia based on footage released last week supporting Republicans' timeline of events, Bears no merit. Let me unpack that gigantic word salad for you. Any voting fraud, video of voting fraud taking place, China is making sure you don't get to see it on America's big tech platforms with the permission of America's big tech platforms. That's right. The enemy of the United States of America is controlling what you get to see on Facebook about possible fraud in the election for president of the United States of America. I swear I'm living in a daggone twilight zone. Gosh. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, We'll probably stay together. Probably? (laughs) It's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, Okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. I, I have too much other stuff to get to. I'm... It's going to be a consistent theme, though. I'm going to hit on this because it really is bizarre. I'm not trying to be radical here, but think about this. Think about it. Our best universities. 
China not only funds them. Have you seen the headlines? Look at the headlines past few years. We are continually busting Chinese spies who were professors at these universities. Our best schools, our best and brightest. They're getting educated by China. The movies you watch, the scenes are edited by China. The articles you read on social media, censored by China. You know what? Credit to China. They got in everywhere and we didn't do squat about it. Gosh, jeez. All right. What's the big advantage the left has? We don't. Tell you in a second. Jesse Kelly Show. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. Yes. Please stop sending me the story about Eric Swalwell, that famous idiot congressman who ran for president for about 15 minutes and farted on national television. Stop sending me the story about him getting posted with the kind of hot Chinese spy. I will get to it in a second. These things just pop up during the show, and now I'm forced to address it. First, I have made a promise. I have made a promise that I'm going to address this thing the left is better at than we are. But first, we have to have a little chat about parenting. The audio in this may not be what you want it to be. Here's the situation. It's a video in a mall. Young boy looks to be about four or five years old. Is there with his mom. There with his little younger sister. Goes up to Santa. I may cut it off early if the audio isn't what I want. It's real, real short. But he goes up to Santa and asks this mall Santa for a Nerf gun. Go, Chris. What do you want for Christmas? You don't know. Christmas is Okay, here's the outrage I've been seeing online from people on the right. People are mad at this Santa for telling the kid he can't have a Nerf gun. 
Let's be clear about something. The kid then goes into this hysterical crying fit when Santa tells him no. One, the mall Santa thing is already one of the weirdest Christmas traditions out there. I can actually see, Chris, I can see women right now staring lasers into the radio as I say this because women love this. My wife loves it too. Women love this. Obviously, my boys are too big for that now. Now I'm the only one who goes, but I quit. But still, women love this. And I'm almost positive there's a comedian out there who did a huge bit on how creepy it was to take your kids to the mall and sit them in the lap of a complete stranger and so he can tell them which presents he would like. That's It's creepy. One, that's creepy, but let's set that part of it aside for a moment. I don't need that kind of heat today. Let's set that aside for a moment. Leftists and guns. Leftists believe wholeheartedly that they are saving lives by being anti-gun. Yes, I know they're costing lives. I know they're big, huge weenies, and they don't know what they're talking about. I get all that. They believe they're saving lives when it comes to when it comes to guns. All that said, should this Santa have just said, "Yeah, I'll get you a Nerf gun," and then not get him anything, whatever? Of course he should have. But remember two things. Two things about this story you need to take away. One. What are my rules about leftism? Leftists don't look at anything, anything, and say to themselves, oh, we don't need to go there. Leftism is not a political ideology. It is a religion of domination. It consumes every part of their lives in the same way uh, maybe Christianity consumes your life. It guides your every step if you're a Christian. Chris is a Jew. Judaism has some influence over his entire life. If you're a Muslim, Allah has some influence over every part of your life. Your belief system, your religion isn't part of who you are. It is who you are. Leftists, that is their religion. I've told I've talked about this before in my neighborhood I live in. I just landed I just live in a standard suburban neighborhood just like you. And now because it's the Texas suburbs, it's 80%, 90% Republican. But we get together on weekends all the time. There's always a, a football party, someone's throwing a big Halloween get together, oh this guy's doing a housewarming thing, whatever. We're always getting together. Everybody knows what I do at this point. So not only are we there, and they're mostly Republican, they know I'm there and do this for a living. And politics almost never comes up. I don't mind it if it does, but I don't seek that out. I hate being that guy. I want to talk football. Let's talk about kids. Let's go play cornhole. Let's let's eat some good food. I, I, I compartmentalize my life. And they are really cool about that with me. They know I talk about it for four hours a day. Yeah, I'm happy to talk about it a little that night, but I'm, I'm off work. The one group of people that come in and immediately have to talk politics all the time are the Democrats. 
Everybody will be there. Can you believe that first down? Hey, did you make the queso? That's delicious. Honey, pass me a butt heavy. And what do you know? Somebody storms in. Did you see what Trump did today? We're not doing that right now. We're not, we're not doing that right now. But they're not even doing that because they're bad people. I mean, they may be, but I'm a bad person, so I don't judge anybody for that. They're not doing it because they're bad people. They're doing it because it is their religion. It would never occur to them. It would never even occur to them to go be around other people and not rip on Trump. And I know that sounds awful to you. Even if you're a Trump hater, it's just who would do, who would do that at a casual party? They don't think like that. They don't think like that. Leftists are as committed and sadly probably more committed to spreading their religion than Christians are in America today. They are. They are committed to it. It consumes everything for them. You see them at Little League. You see them at school. You see them at a casual party. You see them at lunch at work. They will bring it up. It is everything to them. That's Santa. That's what he is. Yeah. A jerk thing to do. It won't be the last time. That's who he is. It would never occur to him. Wait, maybe this isn't the time and place. Let's just promise little Timmy a Nerf gun and have a good one, son. And you can think to yourself you don't like it. But that would never occur to him. Because it is his religion. A religion of domination. He would never look at his mall Santa side gig and say to himself, I shouldn't bring my politics. It doesn't enter his mind. That's one. Two. And this gets tough. I realize that, but I'm not your mommy. Remember, I'm your daddy. I'm the one telling you how it is. Don't give me your bawling tears because the mall Santa said you couldn't have a Nerf gun. Now, you can call me cold and cruel. I understand I had a father, have a father who's a hard man. So I may have been raised a little different. But if the mall Santa Claus told me I couldn't have something I wanted and I bawled about it, my old man would simply tell me, I'll give you something to cry about. Stop being a little girl. All right, what's an advantage the leftists have over us? I'll tell you in a sec. Is he smarter than everyone? Who knows? Does he think so? Yeah. The Jesse Kelly Show. Natural medicines, holistic healing approaches, these things are known, they're known to relieve things. Don't you need relief from things? Now, as you get older, I know as I get older, I need relief from joint pain, sleeplessness, anxiety, that just, we're always searching for a little bit of that. And too often, in my opinion, too often, we reach for a pill bottle. You don't need that in your body. 
I choose CBD. I choose natural solutions as often as possible. Go to DoctorsTrustedCBD.com and look at the huge variety they sell there. It's not just it's not just the full spectrum CBD. They have lip balms. They have creams. You have options. DoctorsTrustedCBD.com. That's DoctorsTrustedCBD.com. Use the promo code Jesse for free shipping and ten percent off. Chicago Teachers Union, this is from the post-millennial, Chicago's Teachers Union files an injunction to stop in-person learning. There's been a lot of this around the country, these teachers unions, all about pro-lockdowns. I mean, rapidly pro-lockdowns. And I had a friend tell me a couple days ago, or at least asked me, he said, I don't understand it. These students are, uh, we've seen time and time again, they're in virtually no danger of the virus itself. They're not even really in danger of spreading the virus. Schools are just not, it's just not a dangerous place for kids. And frankly, with the ages, it's not a dangerous place for teachers. He, he asked it for me. It's just not. So why are the teachers unions so all in on this thing? And the truth is this, the left does something because of their mentality much, 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 much better than the right does it. And I don't know how we solve it because I like who we are better than I like who they are. But here's what they do. Leftists stick together. The various leftist groups that somehow they don't ever seem to have a connection with each other, and yet they're all always joining with the other, pulling in the same direction. You look at the various leftist groups out there. Okay, you have teachers unions and gay rights and trans rights and then union groups and anti-gun people and climate change people and, and, and feminists and all these other various groups. And what do those groups all have in common? Nothing, right, on, on their surface. They don't have anything in common on their surface, and yet when one of them is pulling in one direction, they will all join to pull in that same direction. It's that leftist collectivist mentality. They're so good at it. Why are the unions all in on closing the schools? Because all the Democrat governors and senators want to close everything down. So the unions will simply jump in on their behalf. We just got word yesterday, Joe Biden, considering using, considering going after climate change with the next coronavirus stimulus bill. Of course he is. They will all join together to pull in the same direction. The direction always means more government control, 1,000% of the time. But they're all always pulling that way. And it really is a huge advantage to know if you pick an issue, no matter what it is, no matter who it is, you know you have an army behind you with the snap of your fingers who will join you in heading that same direction. But 
and there is a big but. I don't know that I want to be like them. You see, the right constantly has this problem. And don't get me wrong, there are some divisions within the Democratic Party, especially now as the more radical younger ones are taken over. But the right is constantly at war with itself, always picking at each other about this, or is it populism or libertarianism or conservatism, or what or should we be tough on illegal immigration? Should we be soft on illegal immigration? Should be, and we're always tearing each other apart because part of what makes you somebody who chooses to be on the right is you're an individual. At least you should be, and I think that's awesome. We think for ourselves. I can and do have massive disagreements with even very close friends of mine on the right, which is good. I want to be an individual, but it sure would be nice if we could all pull in the same direction sometimes. Let's get real uncomfortable here. Speaking of uncomfortable, I'm going to play you a parody video from Reason about debt, and it's so criminally true. But remember this before I go into that. Before I go into this, remember that. Remember something. We had the presidency in the House and the Senate for two years, and because of our bickering back and forth of not sure who we are, what we want to be, we didn't get hardly anything done legislatively, hardly anything at all. The left gets things done. Now, I want you to listen to this parody. And it's short. And it may hurt you. But sometimes you and I have to swallow hard truths, don't we? There it is. I left that tea party quicker than a poisoned Russian opposition leader. When my party took back the White House and I became a cheerleader For the same trillion dollar deficits for years I said we should end Guess who's about to start caring again Here's something we have to look. I ha, you know, I'm a spending guy. I went off about it again yesterday. I've been going off about it for four years, and I've been avoiding doing one of those presidential recap things of Trump's presidency too in depth at this point in time. I believe timing is so important. Right now, we're still in the middle of this trying to unpack the election fraud, unsure how things are going to turn out. So I just haven't thought it was the time, and I'm not going to go deep into it right now either. But let's accept this right now because this is going to come up if Biden is sworn in, and I obviously think he will be. This is going to come up. We spent way more money under Donald Trump than we spent under Barack Obama. Donald Trump did not veto a single one of the gigantic, torque-ridden, swampy stimulus bills that hit his desk. And every time he signed one, he said he would veto the next one and never vetoed a single spending bill. And I'm not only putting that on Trump. I'm putting that on the entire Republican Party. 
And my problem is going to be this. I screamed at them for this, at this for four years now as they did this. My problem is going to be the hypocrisy of screaming about Joe Biden's gigantic bills, screaming about the gigantic spending bills Nancy Pelosi is going to propose, and Republicans will cave on it, eventually pass, and Joe Biden will sign them, and we will have Republicans Let's just make sure we're being consistent, but we will have Republicans out there saying that we can't sustain this spending. Buddy, I have the receipts from what I was saying for four years. You better show me yours. You better show me yours. Chris, do you really have it? Chris just sent me a message. Chris has the audio of Eric Swalwell farting on television. Please play that right now. Ask the Ukrainians to help them cheat an election. (laughs) I cannot believe, I still can't believe that happened on live television. That's so embarrassing. You you know, you got to figure. Now, I do an hour of television every day, every single day. I do an hour on my show, The First. My show is called I'm Right, and the channel is called The First. You could get it. It's on an app. It's on all your smart TVs. It's easy to get. It's even on Pluto TV, Apple TV. It's not hard to find. I personally have never run into that while I was on the air, which is amazing because I had to do four and a half hours of live television on election night. But there has to be some sort of TV technique for that, right? All right, we're going to talk with Sean Davis at The Federalist. Where's Bill Barr? You remember that guy? Hang on. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Co-founder of The Federalist, might be the smartest dude I know, Sean Davis. Sean, now, honestly, you're going to have to forgive me. I've had too much beer in my life. I remember we had an attorney general, I thought. I think his name was William something. Do we? Is that, is that this presidency? I think it is, yes. 
Okay. All right. Well, um, do we still have him? Is he uh, in Zimbabwe right now, lion hunting? What What's he doing? I don't know. He might be hiding with Hunter Biden somewhere. <laughs> it, all right. What is going on? Is anything going on with this Durham investigation? I mean, are we going to wait till Biden's third year of his presidency before we find out? I mean, I share, I think, the same frustration that you and your, your listeners have, which is that Bill Barr told us back in the summer, I think it was August, that we would know everything that happened in the Russia collusion hoax before the election, that Durham's investigation was moving on, that the indictment we saw of the corrupt Mueller attorney was just a sign of things to come. And then something happened in September, and everyone kind of changed their tune. No, don't expect anything. And then out of nowhere, Barr appointed Durham a special counsel, I guess, to protect him or make it harder for Biden to fire him. But at this point, I just want to see indictments. People broke the law. We know they broke the law. Um, people need to go to prison for breaking the law so that they don't try again what they seem to have successfully done without any real consequences for the past four years. All right. Sean, unpack this before we get into Georgia and what's going on there. What do we make of this Eric Swalwell story that I'm obviously having a lot of fun with? But apparently Eric Swalwell, that idiot congressman, gets busted with some kind of hot Chinese spy in California. What do we make of this? Well, I mean, I, I guess it makes sense that one of the dumbest members of Congress would have been taken in in a uh, super shady relationship with a straight-up communist Chinese spy who was working on him for years. We, we learned this morning um, that this Chinese spy had set up a whole bunch of fake organizations to traffic uh, Chinese influence into the U.S., to traffic money into the U.S., that she was a major financial bundler. Uh, for Swalwell's campaign that she placed staff in his office. There's rumors um, that uh, he may have had some sort of inappropriate relationship with this Chinese spy. And mind you, this guy's on the House Intel Committee, which I know is an oxymoron. But the fact that one of the dumbest members of Congress who is in bed financially with a Chinese spy uh, was on the Intel Committee running uh, the whole Russian collusion hoax against Trump it's it's so shocking and so ridiculous that if you put it in a novel, your editor would say it's a little too on the nose. You're going to need to make that more believable. Hold on, hold on. She placed people in his staff. Uh, 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 what? She, we, <laughs> so China? What doesn't China know about our secrets at this point in time, Sean? Are they absolutely everywhere? It's funny. This came up today because I've been going off about it. They just got busted again at Columbia University. We're busting these professors who are Chinese spies. They control the movies people see. Our sports leagues bow to them. What exactly? Why does China even want to invade at this point? Well, I mean, apparently the virus kind of took care of everything they needed. And, and quite honestly, if you're Al-Qaeda or ISIS right now, you got to be kicking yourself because you spent all this time and effort to get bombs into the U.S. and shooters and and uh, hijackers, when all you really needed to do to cripple the American economy and bring it to its knees was to uh, to send in a virus and you just wait for everyone to freak out. But I mean, remember, it's not just Shartwell's office that China penetrated. They had a spy is uh, a U.S. senator, Dianne Feinstein's driver for like 20 years. Sean, I know this may be a dumb question, but don't we have you know, spy counterintelligence organizations who are, it's their job to seek out these things. Are they doing that or are they hunting down the phantom white supremacist problem? 
Well, I think they were busy doing two things. One was coming up with the whole collusion hoax. I mean, uh, Comey's FBI was all over that. It's all they were doing. They can't tell us why we had the worst mass shooting in history in Vegas with some ISIS kook there. They can't tell you anything about that. But they can uh, bring in this nut job from the UK, Christopher Steele, to write fan fiction against Trump. And then what, with whatever resources they had left over after that, they dispatched to uh, investigate garage pull cords in NASCAR garages. Mm. So they just – Jesse, they, they got a lot on their plate right now. You need to cut them <laughs> some slack. <laughs> Sean, they've just completely wormed their way through every single one of our institutions, haven't they? I, I mean, I've just accepted at this point in time they are the system. They are. They, and it, it's interesting how commies work, whether they're Chinese commies or Soviet commies or homegrown domestic commies. They find institutions and they warm their way into them and they destroy them. They've done it in the government, done it in academia. They've done it in our defense industry. They've done it in Hollywood and culture. Uh, they're in everything. And as commies are wont to do, their whole goal is just to destroy everything. They don't want to build anything up. They want to tear everything down. Uh, and I got to be honest, they're doing a pretty good job of it right now. Well, we just kind of sit back and let it happen, and it's infuriating. They are, and they're doing it in our in our military as well, Sean. I don't know why more people don't scream about this. They have people do not understand the absolute leftist infection that is all throughout our military at this point in time. Well, yeah, and it, it was something that was really helped along by Obama. Uh, it used to be that the military really was one of the few meritocracies on earth where you didn't move up unless you had a real aptitude uh, for taking down the enemy. And, and now it's, it seems, especially among the officer corps, that it's all about politics. It's all about climbing that ladder. And as long as you have the right politics and you kiss the right behinds, you can move up and get, you know, however many stars you want at the Pentagon. I was just talking to a, a colleague this morning that I'm kind of to the point where I'd like to see a senior NCO running DOD. Like, put those guys in charge. They're, they're the ones who've been doing the dirty work and the nasty stuff for years who really know how it works. I'm kind of done with seeing these uh, political generals running everything. What's the solution, Sean? Let's let's say the Biden presidency is four years and, let's, and Kamala Harris doesn't get reelected. What is the solution for the next Republican? The truth is, as much as I have loved the Trump presidency, he didn't drain the swamp, but is it possible to drain the swamp? Can you empty out these these institutions, or are we just stuck like this for a while? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not that fatalistic. I mean, I think Biden's main goal right now is to not get Jeff Galulied by Kamala. I think that's a real problem for him. Uh, but as far as saving America, <laughs> I think the coalition that Trump put together is the future of successful Republican politics. He made remade the GOP as a working class party that stands for America before it stands for anyone else. It protects its interests and its security. And I think uh, the message needs to be drilled in through the brains of the incompetent establishment that you're not going back to 2004 uh, with your, your fun little forever war party with Nikki Haley and Marco Rubio. Like populism in America first is the center of gravity in the Republican Party. And the sooner they get that through their heads, the sooner they can get back in charge. Do we like this DeSantis guy in Florida? He intrigues me. I like him. He seemed to have done a great job with the uh, with the China lung down there. I mean, he got absolutely eviscerated by the uh, the corrupt media, but he actually uh, seems to know what he's doing. I mean, it, it, in putting the coronavirus aside, look at how Florida handled the election. We knew everything. We had all the votes counted election night in Florida. Meanwhile, in New York, 
uh, run by one of the uh, the idiot Cuomo brothers, they're still counting votes from congressional races that were held five weeks ago. Sean Davis, co-founder of The Federalist, thank you so much, my friend. Thank you, sir. Chris, I need you to shoot me straight on something. Was I too harsh on the kid crying? I wasn't trying to be harsh on the kid. I'm not. I'm saying you don't get to sit and sob for five minutes because Santa said you couldn't get a Nerf gun. Back up, Buttercup. Go on. Get back on that horse and get out there. Maybe You know what? I can tell. That was, that was probably a little bit mean. I, I just, we, we weren't allowed to cry. And definitely not over a Nerf gun. We just weren't really allowed to cry like that. I got a story about that. Hang on. Is he smarter than everyone? Who knows? Does he think so? Yeah. The Jesse Kelly Show. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker. Your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. (gasps) Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. So this is my place, the Pineapple Hill Grill and Saloon. If you go to my page, you can see all the work I did for outdoor dining, for tables being seven feet apart. And I come in today because I'm organizing a protest and I walk into my parking lot And obviously, Mayor Garcetti has approved this being set up for a movie company. I'm losing everything. Everything I own is being taken away from me. And they set up a movie company right next to my outdoor patio, which is right over here. And people wonder why I'm protesting and why I have had enough. They have not given us money and they have shut us down. We cannot survive. My staff cannot survive. Tell me that this is dangerous, but right next to me as a slap in my face, that's safe. This is safe, 50 feet away. This is dangerous. Mayor Garcetti and Gavin Newsom is responsible for every single person that doesn't have unemployment, that does not have a job, and all the businesses that are going under. And we need your help. We need somebody to do something about this. 10,000 of America's restaurants are expected to close in the next 
three weeks. That's a headline from CNN.com. 17% of America's restaurants have already been permanently closed this year. I can't believe what we've done. All right. Email me. Love, hate, death threats, whatever. It's all fine. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Remember this. I read all your emails. I'm not going to respond. I get way too many of them. You send it, I will read it. Don't forget, you can send in your Friday Ask Dr. Jesse question at any point during the week. If you send it in, Chris gets them and separates them out. It's not going to get lost in the shuffle. So if you think of a question during the week, fire away. I'm going to try to get to as many as I can on Friday. Chris asked if I had any embarrassing childhood stories that my parents still bring up. I don't think so. I mean, at least I'm very difficult to embarrass, though, is the thing. They'll tell stories about me and... My wife says I lack shame, like I whatever whatever thing inside of your head that creates embarrassment and shame in front of other people, I don't have it. I don't think that's true, but it is difficult to embarrass me. But my parents will tell the story like uh, I, I was young, I don't know, three years old maybe, maybe four, and we were at the ocean for the first time. I think we went to Virginia Beach maybe, maybe Ocean Isle, somewhere over there in the Carolinas. We drove down. And we went to the beach, and I'd never been on the beach before. And we're out there on the beach, and my parents tell me, I tell my parents, I have, to, I, have to, I have to use the bathroom. I have to go pee. And they say, well, okay, well, go pee in the ocean. And I said, all right. And I went and stood in ankle-deep water in front of the entire beach and dropped my drawers down to my ankles and went and peed in the water. Apparently, my mom just wanted to die. Just wanted to die. I didn't know. You got to have to be more specific. <laughs> <laughs> I don't find that to be embarrassing, though. I'm not embarrassed. My old man just likes to tell the stories about how he used to torment us. Remember, it was we moved from Ohio to Montana when I was 10, and we're talking 20 below, 25 below in Montana sometimes. Well, we had uh, we we had to have wood to heat the house. We had these. It wasn't a fireplace. I cannot think of what it was called now. Of course, I'm brain farting it on air. It's what you you load the wood in it and fire it up. But it, the steel pipe goes up throughout your home, and that's essentially central heating, but it's wood. And so we always had to go split firewood. Well, you have to split firewood in the cold or or or, or not at all. And my dad, my, my sister and I go out in 20 below one day and split firewood. And splitting firewood's hard work anyway. It's hard on your hands. Eventually, he just let my sister go sit in the truck. But he would never, ever even consider letting me sit in the truck. He just made me sit out there. And my hands were practically purple by the time I came home. And when I bring it up to him, he says, well, we needed firewood. You're fine. <laughs> I love him. If you missed any part of the show... Any part of the show at all, you can catch it. The whole, Chris puts a podcast up of every show, even the show's not a podcast. He makes a podcast of it. It's on iHeart. It's on Google. It's on Spotify. It's on iTunes. You can subscribe. Leave a five-star rating. It helps us. Leave a review talking about how handsome I am. 
If you are one of these people who only prefers the history segment, that's totally cool too. He actually separates out. You can either have the whole show or just the history segment. He puts those on there. We have a really cool one for tomorrow, Chris. Have I ever given away the show that's coming the next day? I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. Sometimes, see, I do this on occasion. If I feel like I've nailed something, a good gift or something for for someone, sometimes I'll give it away. Or I'll want to give it early. I know it's not Christmas yet, but I wanted you to have this. Dang it. Hang on. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. <clears throat> Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Uh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Headline, foxnews.com, 12 more uncounted ballots found in ultra-tight house race in New York. New York State Supreme Court Justice Scott Delaconte said Monday that officials have discovered additional uncounted ballots amid an ongoing legal dispute related to the outcome of New York 22nd Congressional District. The disclosure came during a hearing to determine the next steps in an effort to declare a winner in the race between the... incumbent Democratic Rep. Anthony Brindisi and Republican opponent Claudia Tenney. Official results show Tenney with a lead of just 12 votes. <laughs> of course. They keep, they keep finding these things in a desk drawer. Man. I'm glad America's finally getting to see how they've been doing this for so long. Now, though, you know, there's a risk out there, Chris. There really is a risk they overplayed their hand this time because basically everyone knows now. Everyone knows. All right. Keep your chin up. We're going to have fun tomorrow. That's all.
The Jesse Kelly Show. Newton Group Transfer. They are here to help you if you're stuck in a timeshare. Uh, these stories from people who have these timeshares and can't get out of them, they're shocking. These timeshare companies, not all of them, but so many, they get their hooks into you and you can't give them up. You can't give them up. Or they'll, they'll do things like they charge you thousands of dollars. One girl, she got past her timeshare when her mother passed away. She gets past the timeshare, doesn't want the timeshare, doesn't use the timeshare. They tell her she can get out of it for $4,000. She has to come up with a $4,000 check. This is not right. It's unjust. And Newton Group Transfers is here to help you. If you are in a timeshare and want out or know someone who is, call 888-845-3773. That's 888-84-JESSE. Or go to timesharejesse.com, Newton Group Transfer. They will help you out. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball. From Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 